0: Y'all, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for those watching and listening online. Well, we're in our second week in our series, Heaven, and to kick us off this morning, uh, let me tell you a little bit of of a story. I played football throughout my childhood. Um, Believe it or not, I played middle linebacker in elementary school. I know for some of you, you find that very hard to believe, but yes, I played middle linebacker in elementary school. And just to show you, here is a picture of me. Yes, I was that guy. That little boy, 81, and I know Jenny said this morning, my wife, she's like, man, that boy's a stud. I know, I know. Well, I remember my coach teaching me how to play the position, and I was taught to move forward, move toward the person that I was going to tackle, whether it be the quarterback, the the running back, the receiver, and my legs needed to be moving, my head needed to be up, and my eyes needed to be fixed on his stomach. And to remember it easier, he said, aim small, miss small. Aim small, miss small. And you know, it's true in life. And it's what we said last week. We live toward what we look forward to in life. We live toward what we look forward to in life. And some of us are looking forward to getting married, having babies, you know, getting that promotion, switching jobs, vacation, retirement, And it impacts and dictates how you're living right now. The more you look forward to something, the more you live in that direction. The more your time, your effort, your energy, your behaviors are leveraged in that direction. Some of us in the room, we have lived towards something for a very long time only to arrive and find out that the sacrifice wasn't worth it. And when it comes to heaven, we learned last week it's obvious it's on people's minds. I mean, people think about death three to four times a month. So obviously people are thinking about what happens and whether they consider it a heaven or whether they consider it a better place, they're thinking about it. It's not that we don't think about heaven often enough, but we don't think high enough about heaven. And the goal of this series is to see how we can picture, like our picture of heaven impacts how we live on earth. And last week, we learned that Jesus describes three realities of heaven. You have now, here, and the here, and now. So now is that as a follower of Jesus, when I die, we go to heaven. We go in the presence of God. That's what happens. It's where we go when we die. Here, but at another time. We learn that it's where we're going to spend eternity. The new heaven and the new earth. And then the here and now, like there's another way we go about this. So we could participate in God's kingdom right now. That we, It may not be fully God's kingdom, but it's going to be accessible in the sense that we're able, at a limited, in a limited way, we're able to experience heaven on earth. So Jesus divides time into two, cat- two categories. You have this age and then the age to come. And so Matthew 12:32, Jesus unpacks that you have this age and the age to come. And this age goes all the way back to creation and all the way through until God has the new heaven and the new earth established. Okay? And then when that's established, starts eternity or the age to come. Okay? So in this age, you have the present heaven where we go to when we die, and you have our current earth, our present earth. But in the age to come, you have the new heaven and you have the new earth that are going to be connected here on earth. So next week, we're going to discuss the age to come to give a biblical perspective on the future eternal heaven. So as we focus on this age, there are some things that are not connected that we can't see. Like you can't see heaven and you can't see hell. We can't see angels and demons. We we can't see those things. However, one day we will. We'll be able to see how all that goes together. We're going to see heaven and earth connected. But right now we're not. So here's an interesting, did you know? There's a Jewish calendar which came out um, in the Talmud, which is basically a commentary written about 400 years after the resurrection on the Torah by rabbis. And it explains that the world as we know it, or this age, will last 6,000 years from the start of creation. Then the seventh millennium, or the seventh set of 1,000 years, will be the Messiah coming to earth and reigning for a thousand years from Jerusalem. So we already believe as followers of Jesus that Jesus already came. We're waiting for him to return. The Jews believe that Jesus was not the Messiah and that the Messiah is still yet to come. Now where we are right now in their calendar is we're roughly in the year 5783, which means that none of us are going to be alive When the Messiah comes according to the Jewish, according to this Jewish calendar. So getting back to it, the scriptures tell us that those who believe in Jesus will go to the present heaven. And so we're wondering, okay, what's there? What does it look like? What are we looking forward to? So John, who was handpicked by Jesus to follow him, gives us a glimpse of what it could look like, of what it looks like. Again, there's a lot here. And we only need to focus on the heaven part, okay? So this is what John writes. When he opened the fifth seal, which means there were four seals before this that we're not going to unpack, we're not going to explain right now. We're, we'll get to that another time. He said, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, how long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed, just as they had been. Okay, remember, there's a lot there. We're just going to be focused on the heaven part. Okay, Just to kind of ease everyone's mind, most likely this is talking about those who were killed during the tribulation by the Antichrist. Okay. Getting back now to the heaven part. Heaven is a physical place. John saw souls. He saw an altar. He saw white robes. He, he heard loud voices. Right. Number two, heaven is a physical place where we gain knowledge. Remember, they asked a question. They're like, how long is it going to be? Right. How long is it going to be before you avenge our blood? Meaning they didn't know the answer to that. So that means in their present heaven, we don't have all the answers. We won't know all the answers. Then, heaven is a physical place where we gain knowledge and anticipate. Okay, so they're waiting to, they're anticipating two things, to get reconnected with their loved ones, but also they're waiting and anticipating the new heaven and the new earth where everything kind of goes back together and they get their glorified bodies. So here's a summary of what we have looked forward to in heaven. Separation of body and soul. Relocation of soul to heaven. Liberation of our soul from sin. Reconnection with loved ones. And satisfaction in God's presence. Those are the five things we have to look forward to in heaven. So let's look at our present earth and what we should be doing in this life. So we're going to shift from John to Paul. So this is what Paul writes. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. So we're going to stop there, and then we're going to pick it back up. We have been raised with Christ. So whenever we do baptism here, we identify with Christ. So we go down in the water, identifying with him in his death. And then we are raised to life, signifying that we identify with his resurrection. What it means is that our old life has gone and our new life has begun. begun. When you and I believe in Christ, when we believe that he died and rose again, what happens is that God gives us his spirit and he provides us eternal, everlasting life, which means that our body will die, but our soul will not. The real you, you, will not die. So as a follower of Jesus, death just becomes a door. He says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden in Christ with God, with Christ in God, excuse me. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Remember what we started last week and this week with? We live toward what we look forward to. To set our minds on heaven is to seek, pursue, chase after track down, seize, hold, gaze, and treasure. And John Piper writes, no one gains the mindset of heaven passively. You see it where you don't have it. And here's the catch. There's understanding that Jesus died for you, and then there's understanding that you died with him. As we believe that Jesus died in our place, our life is not about Jesus. It is Jesus. He lives in us by his spirit and we live for him in all that we do. And the phrase being hidden in Christ with Christ in God means that our old life is over and done and the new life has an entirely different glorious future that's begun. And Jesus is coming. And when he does, it is going to be known. And those of us who are followers of Jesus, we will get our new glorified body. Then, Paul explains how to experience heaven here and now. He says, put to death. That means to execute whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Like when you look, look again or look at what you shouldn't, when you hook up with someone you shouldn't, you set your sights and aim way too low on earthly things. Like, no one in the room, no one watching online thinks we're greedy. Like, none of us thinks we are greedy. We may think other people are greedy, but we ourselves do not think we are greedy. But Paul puts it in the context of worship and idolatry. Like, there's a reason why people have called the dollar the almighty American dollar. Many of us have put our hope and our trust in it. We find our worth in it. We spend our time and our lives working for it. Some people are enslaved for the rest of their lives, just paying off debt. For for some of us, that's where we find happiness. And I love what C.S. Lewis wrote. He said, prosperity knits a man to the world. He feels that he is finding his place in it while really it is finding its place in him. pursuit of prosperity knits us to this life like for some of us we're willing to settle for a distorted perverted counterfeit version of what we what 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 we were really made to experience so that's fulfillment with god designed by god god's going to punish the evilness of this world I know that this isn't something we want to talk about because we think of god's wrath as something that's uncontrollable, but in the fact, his wrath is a lot different than our wrath, but I think we could all understand it, especially for the moms and dads in this room. If something happened to your kid, will they not feel will that person not feel your wrath? Why Because it comes out of love, right Our wrath actually stems from love that's a good thing it's a right thing. Unlike our wrath, God's punishment is holy because it's never a result of uncontrolled anger or a bad temper. God's always in control. God's anger is against sin because it destroys and keeps us separated from him. Here's something to think about. If we don't deserve God's wrath, then Jesus died for nothing. Yet when we accept and believe that Jesus died in our place and took upon himself God's wrath for our sin, we will never experience his wrath. You might be wondering, what does this have to do with heaven? This is how you and I experience heaven on earth. Not to the full extent, but a limited part of it. So Paul continues, he says, You used to walk in these ways. In the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices. So here's a visual, and hopefully this helps. This is you, this is me, and this is the present earth things that we can see. But then you have heaven and then you have hell that's unseen right now. You and I have all have, we all have this sin nature in us. And that sin nature wants to pursue pleasure, prosperity, and power above all. Those are the three things that we want to pursue. And Paul says, listen, those three things within themselves are not bad because those are things we've been promised to each of us in heaven. Like, we don't have to clamor for those things there. But right now, when we are pursuing those things, when our sin nature is pursuing those three things, it creates a lot of problems. And he continues. And put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So going all the way back in Genesis, when God created us in his image, it got messed up because of sin. What's happening is when the Holy Spirit lives within us with this new nature, it's renewing us, getting us back to what life was like with God before sin. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. If any has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So as you have this new nature, here's what begins to happen. The Holy Spirit begins to renew you. The things of heaven become part of your life. It's evidence of a renewed life. And we see it when people become compassionate, kind, hum- humble, gentle, and patient. And all of that leads to a forgiving life. Like When was the last time you heard someone apologize for being patient? It doesn't happen. Like, uh, how many dads in the room? Dads in the room. How many of us want our daughter to marry someone like this? Who's compassionate. Who's kind. Who's humble. Who's gentle. Who's patient. We'd rather have that than someone who is uber powerful. Pursues pleasure regardless of the relationship. Regardless of commitment pursues prosperity regardless of what happens to other people. I mean, how many of us wouldn't want that for our daughter? that's, that's, That's the characteristics we're looking for. And he continues, he says, And over all these things, put on love, which binds all of them together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful. So visual number three is, We have this new nature that when you believe in Jesus, you have a new nature. The old is gone, the new has come. And it's the opposite pursuit of our sin nature. It's pursuing power, prosperity, pleasure. Instead, our, our new nature, our spirit nature is pursuing love, grace, and peace. That's what the Holy Spirit is pursuing. Why? Because those are the things of God. Those are the things of heaven. Love creates a culture of grace and sets our mind on the peace that points to heaven. When you and I are made right with God, we want to be made right with others on, on earth. And this idea of roll in your hearts, for some of us we have translation that talks about sights. It means roller. So what's governing, what's ruling your life? Guys, look, there are two opposing forces. The new nature with the Holy Spirit living in you or your sinful nature, the old nature. And Paul says in another writing that these two forces, man, they're fighting each other to rule your life. You know, the one that wins is the one that we feed the most, the one that we focus in on the most. It's the one that we we exercise the most. And outside of the angels and demons, man, there are two forces in this unseen world and you're the middle of it it is the new nature and it's the sin nature and here's visual number four that sin nature is trying to get you to self-govern your life it causes you to pursue things that lead to chaos death and destruction and the new nature that paul says that we need to lean into because we pursue love grace and peace it comes from surrendering control of your life and allowing God to renew, restore, redeem, and to bring down the realities of heaven into this world. as we make choices every day that either bring the order of heaven down on earth or we pull the chaos of hell into our lives. And everything is spiritual. The decisions you make about your sexuality, your finances, your career, your relationships... We either make decisions that are governed by the authority and the rule of heaven, and we bring God's order, His design, His love, His grace, His peace into our lives and those around us, or we pull up the chaos, the brokenness, the destruction of hell into our lives. And there's a caveat. If you believe that all there is to life is this life, And it's your one shot to experience the deepest longings of your heart. Then have at it. Have at it. Go for it. But beware. You are in the danger of pulling all sorts of hell, chaos, and brokenness into your life and in the lives of others. And don't take my word for it. Ask the people in your life. I know you know who they are. Who set their sights for a very long time on satisfying themselves with sexual pleasure, accruing wealth, and chasing power as their angle. You hear about the chaos. You hear about the difficulty. You hear about the destruction they brought into their lives. It's not that wealth or having power is wrong. It's not the problem. It's when that becomes the chief end and what you set your hope in. You and I, we live toward and experience more of what we look forward to in this life. And it impacts more than just you. The way we live is a billboard to others on what our, open, what our ultimate hope is. Many of us aren't looking forward to the realities of heaven enough to put it on display for others to see. Guys, as good as life gets, guys, we have a really good life here. It's just a mere shadow of what's to come. Oh my goodness, man. It means that when we find ourselves struggling physically, wrestling spiritually, longing eternally for something, we need to set our sights on, fixate on, aim toward what lies ahead and Jesus and Paul both said it. And Jesus said, listen, model my prayer. Father, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Paul, who was confident that he would rather be away from his earthly body and be home or present with the Lord. He also wrote as he viewed this age. He's like, man, for me to live is Christ. I, I, I'm here right now for the purpose of living for Christ. And when I die, it is gain. Because I'm able to gain His presence. I'm able to be reconnected with loved ones. I'm able to anticipate the new heaven and the new earth. I'm able to anticipate my new body. When we fix our mind, our heart, and our life on heaven, it changes how we live our lives here and now. If people around you don't see the hope and reality of heaven in our lives, where will they see it? If they don't see something greater and worth living for, they don't experience grace, love, and peace from us, and they just see us pursuing pleasure, power, and prosperity, then what are we putting them toward? And the question I want us to think about is what is your hope really? What is it really in? Really? What, what's it in? What do you and I need to change? Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this challenge. For those of us in the room who are followers of Jesus, I ask that we would change what needs to be changed. instead of giving in to our sin nature, that we would give in to our, we would surrender and give in to our new nature. Help us to be walking billboards of what you have done in our lives. We are proud of it, and we want to put it on display. For those of us who are yet unsure, we're not a follower of Jesus, we're unsure kind of what we think about this whole faith thing, I ask, Father, you'll open our eyes to see that we're bringing hell into our lives by the decisions we're making. Father, I ask that you allow us to come to a point where we recognize that Jesus is our only hope, that if we want to have a relationship with you, if we want to be able to bring heaven down into our lives, the only way we do that is accepting who Jesus is. So, Father, I pray that their hearts will be open. Father, help us. Help us to be setting our hearts and our minds on the things of heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.